This week on Living the Call, Deacon Charlie sits down with Matt O'Hara, the founder of Fight Club Catholic, an accountability brotherhood committed to lead men to Jesus through the purity of heart. His pornography recovery story has been featured by Fight the New Drug and Matt and Cameron Frad's book, Restored, True Stories of Love and Trust After Porn. Matt lives with his wife, Mimi, and their six children in Maryland. In this episode, Deacon Charlie and Matt talk about their own stories of healing from pornography use, the dangers of unchecked restlessness and boredom, the importance of authentic relationships, and how Fight Club Catholic helps men strive to fight every day to live chastely with themselves and others so they are freer to love. We created Fight Club and just from our tenets of what guys are invited to do daily, so it's called pray, P-R-A-Y. They're praying every day. They're striving to do some part of the rosary every day, R. They have accountability every day, A. And then they have this yes battle plan. This daily sustainable fight through prayer, rosary, accountability, and this yes battle plan. And it's it's this ulterior direction or ulterior door back into the life of Christ, which is the end goal. Mm-hmm. End goal of life is, is heaven and Jesus is heaven. And I wanna know him on this side and on, on the other side. This is Living the Call. Matt Alherdo, welcome to the show. I tried as best I could, Matt, but that's that's his best. Matt Alherdo, yeah. That's his, that's, yeah, you got it. I was going to say, <laughs> you probably the, among the two top questions you get is A, how do you pronounce your last name? And right. two is, is Fight Club that you're running now inspired in some way by the Fight Club film that people may remember? People ask that. Yeah, well, actually, the number one question is, oh, so you, do you guys, you guys fight? Mm, like physically fight. <laughs> Right, physically fight, right. <laughs> okay, so is it in some way inspired by the Fincher film from the late 90s? Are we going? Is this, is, are we started Of already? course. Oh we started God. 20 minutes ago. Sorry. <laughs> That's how the show works. We roll right in. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, when we started in 2013, there was this guy who came in and he said, oh, is this the Purity, Ministry, uh, Purity Club? And I was like, we got to change the name <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> and what's like the and, a kind of a badass yeah, name what's that we the can most, think of? Yeah, what's the yeah. most badass name? And, <clears throat> and yeah, Fight Club, it came out uh, a few years before and a lot of guys loved it. And I've always, I, I like that movie a lot. Um, I've always liked how it just grew organically. Mm. And with no marketing, just kind of just word of mouth um, among the men. And I've always, that was always been my vision uh, with the guys. And yeah, gosh, it's, it has grown. I was just looking at the numbers um, for us, uh, like just before we, to, uh, before we got on here. You know, we just had five guys, you know, 2013. And then in the following year, we had 10 guys. And then the following year, we had 23 guys. And then 33, and then 42, and then 45. <clears throat> and then, you know, 2023, we have a, over, we have 130 now uh, alumni and students at Maryland um, who are in Fight Club. And, you know, now we're on nine, nine other campuses and seven churches, seven parishes, uh, and all with, no social media, no, um, no marketing, no, no knocking on doors, like cold calls, just guys spreading the word, you know, this past, this past, uh, summer, yeah. we had four guys, uh, launch five clubs just who wanted to launch it on, on their own. So like, let's go. Let's well, I, I dig that model of like, you know, inspiring other people to do their own thing because that gives you some scale that a lot of apostolates don't kind of take advantage of. Um, for those who don't know, you, um, and obviously that's what this show's about to kind of, uh, serve as a bit of a discovery platform, but your former campus minister, you in 2013, as you specified, founded Fight Club, which is at least as you describe it, an accountability brotherhood that's committed to leading men to Jesus through purity of heart. You've got your own kind of, you know, conversion story, overcoming, uh, transformation, however you want to describe that with respect to pornography, which I think has played a central role in this. But that's what we're talking about. If people are curious, like, what the heck are these guys talking about <laughs> with Fight Club? And by the way, I was a huge fan yeah. of the film too. I, 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 yeah. I, yes, for all the reasons you mentioned that it kind of came out of nowhere and people are like all sort of hush hush and suddenly it became this big thing. But also because of, first of all, Ed Norton is, this was like him at his genius, like, genius like level acting, right? He had done 
American History X and then this one and then I think he did the Hulk movie or something. And then like suddenly things started to kind of taper off a little bit for him. But he was amazing in this role. If you haven't seen the movie, sorry, there'll probably be a ton of spoilers here. But in this kind of... Um, it's, it's pretty inappropriate at this point if you're striving for chastity. Exactly. It is. <laughs> but, it is. But, you know, th there's there's that... You know, it's funny because I haven't seen that movie probably... I mean, maybe in 15 years. I don't... Maybe longer than that. I haven't seen that movie. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of truth in what you're saying that, like, you know, there's there's things in there that obviously are, you know, antithetical to anything that we may be talking about on on this show generally or things that we believe. At the same time, you know, the the, the craft and the art of that film is something that, like, you have to give some kudos to. The acting, the the storyline, the whole concept of, like, you know, the, like what you think is an audience member is happening is not really what's happening. The way that it's shot. I mean, there's just so many, so many things that were. You got to watch it twice. You got to watch yeah. it twice to really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, at least twice. <laughs> yeah. Super, super interesting movie. So again, recommended for those solid in their faith. If you're looking for artistic um, kind of cues or if you're a budding filmmaker, you might want to just have that in your repertoire of experiences. But um, yeah, you're not going to build up a it, lot of people in purity. I actually had a Fight Club movie uh, moment. Really? Uh, the other the other week, yes. Yeah, so, like, so in the movie, um, I think the main character is named Tyler Durden, yep. and he he goes to another city, and he like happens upon an, an, another Fight Club, like guys that he's never even met. Um, I was in, so I live in Maryland, and I was in Virginia uh, the other month for a rehearsal dinner for a wedding, and I was talking to this guy in, in Northern Virginia. And he's asked me what I do. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I mentioned Fight Club. And he's like, what's it called? And I was like, it's Fight Club. He's like, I'm in Fight Club. <laughs> I was like, I'm a leader in Fight Club. The Fight Club, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, so I went to quiz him. And I was like, what's Fight Club? Tell me what, you know, this, this common name. And he said, well, uh, we take out these black books. And we, we talk about, he just, he just described uh everything I wrote in the black book and, and the whole protocol. I was like, what is going on right now? Wow, that's awesome, though. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Where, where did this come from, Matt? Like, where was it born? I mean, obviously, the, the Holy Spirit gave birth to it, but what what in your life, I guess, is the moment of inflection? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I guess, like, personally, for me, uh, having struggled with pornography uh, a large chunk of my life, um, I probably... Uh, in 2011, I was living in Costa Rica uh, as a missionary and my computer broke. <laughs> and I, I was free from my computer for six months, wow. um, you know, and simultaneously free from pornography. And I just remember feeling at, you know, in the middle of six months, three months, six months, that I was living a, a totally different life. Um, it's like seeing a colored world when I was living mm. in a black and white world and I had no idea. And so around that time, I, I, I started this blog and I just started writing about it and telling everyone about it. And I found that a lot of guys uh, were, were with me. I was not alone in this struggle. Um, you know, in fact, the stats are now, I, I think people don't know, the stats are 80% of, of, uh, of 18 to 30 year old men are watching porn. That's the stat right yeah. now. It's um, crazy. And it's not just a male, like all male issue. Pretty much. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. Um, it's not just a male issue. Right now, the the stat for women is right around thirty percent of porn users are female, um, and so. But for me, why I'm why I'm in it is you know definitely to to free men from from this corner of pornography. But I I actually believe uh, because I'm in it for Jesus Christ. I think this is one of our greatest opportunities to reach men mm. for Jesus. Um, and I was a campus minister. I was a campus minister for 10 years at University of Maryland. And my whole goal, I mean, my, still my goal is to reach men for Christ. And I joke, had I, uh, had I created a prayer group for men, you know, some guys might show up. Uh, had I created a rosary group for men, uh, less guys would show up. We created Fight Club. And just from our tenets of what guys are invited to do daily, uh, we have guys uh, praying every day. So it's called pray, P-R-A-Y. They're praying every day. They, they're they striving to do some part of the rosary every day, R. They have accountability every day, A. And then they have this yes battle plan, uh, this pragmatic plan to to combat their triggers. And that's from Fight Club. You know, that's the guys are, are, are 
this daily sustainable fight through prayer, rosary, accountability, and the CS battle plan. And it's it's this ulterior um, a direction or ulterior door back into uh, the life of Christ, which is the end goal. Mm. End goal of life is life is uh, it, is heaven, and Jesus is heaven, and I want to know Him um, on this side and on on the other side. Yeah, Amen to that. The 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 thing about God's frugality too always strikes me about how it can use everything, and sometimes the things that we least expect to be the most sort of successful. Right. I'll give you one example related to what you just said about um, this whole idea of you know if you put a rosary, if you call it the Rosary Club, or if you call it whatever, yeah. you know we'll see see who shows up. I, I spoke about this recently, actually at a conference. I think you were at, um, but it's 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 an it's where I've learned this, right? I speak and preach a lot about the the impact, the importance, and the opportunity within the Latino community inside of the Catholic oh, I know Church, you're about to say, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I used to get invited to give talks, and like I would title my talk like the Latino opportunity or like <laughs> all this other stuff. And you know the rooms would be okay, mediocrely attended, right. I would say, and overwhelmingly Hispanic. And then I started thinking to myself, well, like, yeah, I'm glad all these brothers and sisters are here. That's cool. But like who I'm really talking to isn't them. And I made this really, had this like moment of awareness where I was like, I'm going to call this talk something totally different. I ended up calling it like awaking the sleeping giant or like the greatest secret in the world or something crazy like that. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, Matt, like rooms were starting to get full. Even the conference that I spoke at, right? It was like the plenary talk Mm -hmm. at that conference. But it's like- it's a similar principle, right? That that we come in with so many preconceptions about things, and sort of attacking it in a more unorthodox way sometimes leads to you know the kind of results that you just described. Yeah, I I actually have the reverse uh, effect. Mm. We we call it the how to pray uh, talk. Uh, no guy's going to show up to that, but we call it the. Uh, how to be free from porn talk or breaking free from porn <laughs> because porn is such a like huge issue. Guys want to, all right, let me, let, let's go. And you know, and I've been to conferences where uh, the room fills up just because porn's in the, in the name. And, and that's my opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ. <laughs> so it is, it's, it's opposite. I had, for us. <laughs> I had um, Sa- uh, his name is Saul or Saul in Spanish, Saul Dalba mm-hmm. on the show, probably six months ago. He's from, um, freedom coaching and it's a lot of it's it's porn ministry oh, yeah. yeah you you know mm-hmm. those guys and i remember that when i brought up the fact that i i myself was a recovering porn addict and he was like yeah we don't use that word the, <clears throat> like like addict right it was like um he had this whole thing about describing you know the the uh, this kind of disordered compulsion this kind of brokenness he he said it very nicely i'm not going to i don't remember exactly how he said it but this notion of addiction and that you're a lifelong addict, but you're sort of in remission is not the proper way to think about, you know, the, the effects of pornography. And I wonder, you described it just now as struggled with, right? And I, mm-hmm. I would say having shared the struggle, sure, it, it is a struggle, but like, how do you view the dynamic of having once been sort of under the thumb of that and now not? Do you, like, how would you des- describe that? Yeah, I think every guy needs to have humility. I mean, just like the the AA guy that I could fall any day, even today, that's always in the back of my mind. <clears throat> um, and, and, you know, the guys, we always know that, we just know that if I looked at porn today, there's a there's a huge rabbit hole that I can, I can yeah. go down. And um, But I think, you know, I, if I every guy I talk to who's, who's more than a year free, for example, and we have plenty of those guys, most of it is just grace of God. They're like, yeah, that wasn't me. That's the number one answer. Yeah. But I, I think it's because after a year, uh, a lot of that, uh, a lot of neuroscience, a lot of the what's going on in the brain is has less hold on ourselves. Um, so the, the temptation is definitely less compared to, uh, you know, back when I was watching it daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's definitely a truth to the addiction as a, uh, from a neuro- neuroscience perspective, um, and you know, there's different. You, can, you, you know, if you do the, the research, like from even even two weeks free and three months free and six months free, there's different. You can almost tell physiologically the difference. Sure. One year free, they say it takes, and then like right three years free, and then it takes. They say it takes truly five to seven years to be like really kind of 
um, look for those memories to like escape. And yeah, praise be to God, I've 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 lived a lot of that. Um, and so and I've seen the difference from one year to three years and, and five years so forth. It's also so, interesting how you, like um, you remember the moment of liberation. And I like I like thinking of it as freedom, free from. Right. That's that that makes sense to me. Right. For me, it was December of 2010. Okay. Th- that, wow. And I remember exactly where I was, just like you, kind of like, yeah. and I happened to be also in Latin America, in Mexico City specifically. Um, and it was on a business trip. And um, I had I had that week visited the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City on a business wow. trip, right? Just like randomly went there. And it, it was the last time that I was at, at least physically under that, you know, kind of oppression. But it's interesting mm-hmm. how we kind of mark it right? Like there's a marker and you remember it. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. the significance of this thing. A lot of people don't think it's at that level, but it is. Yeah. I think it ought to be part of the language. I mean, anyone who's an AA, there's this proud, I've been sober for 20 years, yep. you know, yep. and we ought to have more people talk like that, you know, and not be afraid and, and to be proud of, of that you hadn't had a drink, quote unquote, virtual drink. Um, and, 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 and I think more, and because it, it gives guys, honestly, I think it gives guys hope. I think a lot of guys just assume that everyone's watching it, and that's not the truth. Uh, one of the greatest things we were doing is is just getting the guys in the room, like, oh my gosh, you're you're striving to be free, like, oh my gosh, like you used to, and you're and you're not anymore. And I think that gives just so much hope. And I'll I'll tell the, uh, anyone listening right now, we got three hundred guys striving. Uh, to fight against pornography, and many of them are, have been free for uh, a year or more. And so, there's definitely hope. And especially if you're a woman and you're wondering where all the uh, where all the real men are, there's hope out there. I, the, the darkness cannot overcome light, and the light is in Jesus Christ. And that's the only way this is working with the Holy Spirit. So, I just want to throw that for out sure. There. Give give God a shout out. <laughs> yeah, uh, no problem ever doing that. Uh, of the, uh, the 300 guys, just using that sample. Um, what percentage of them are single? Uh, it's yeah, ballpark. Gosh. If you don't know, <clears throat> I mean, we we primarily work with with college students, so so mostly single. Uh, yeah, uh, and when you mean by single, single not I mean married, like like Unmarried. single, yeah, not married. Yeah, yeah, I would say at least two thirds are not married. Um, but it's beautiful. I mean, a lot of these guys, um, or some of these guys now are, are getting married. Some of them are, getting, are having children. Um, it, it was in fact last year, um, I was at an ordination of our first, uh, priest, um, of, uh, of our guys. And, um, it was at that ordination and, and I mentioned it because right after that, I went to a wedding of one of our guys and uh, it was, it was around that time where a whisper came into my heart. I said, well, what if, what if fight club was at every campus, what was in every diocese, every parish to give these guys a chance, uh, to, to fight, uh, like, like father, here or um, my buddy who got married so they can bring it to their parishes they can bring it to their wives uh to their future children it's not just about them anymore it's about who they affect and um that was, that was a very powerful uh prayer that happened when about a year ago when that happened and that turned into a whole year of discernment of, of taking this taking this full time in fact i'm on Monday three of full time <laughs> with Fight Club right now, so it's <laughs> nice standing O for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that takes great courage, frankly, to break out of, uh, you know, kind of let go of the one vine before you grab the other one. I mean, you're kind of in midair here, trying to, you know, um, and that's God is very active in those moments when we trust and yeah. we kind of just go, you know, front foot forward in faith. Um, was well, as Jim Gaffigan jokes. He's like, I got it all figured out. Uh, and in my in my instance, I got six young kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's all a leap of like it's all faith. Like God's been with us this you know for the past ten years of my marriage, and um, and this is the next the next journey for us. And He will continue <laughs> to surprise you. Yeah. The reason I brought up the the whole thing about single is I think a lot of people don't recognize how pervasive a challenge this per- pornography in particular is even within the context of marriage, right? I mean, look, take even mm-hmm. my case, right? I mean, I was born right. kind of a cultural Catholic, but still I came to some level of faith understanding. Uh, then, you know, uh, got married. I got married in 2002. So I had eight full years of struggling wow. with this in my marriage. And I didn't even yeah. 
realized the impact that it was having in our relationship, of course, conjugally, mm-hmm. but even beyond that, it was like, like you, you, you almost, the whole black, white color thing is a good way to describe it because you don't realize just mm-hmm. what the impact is. And it, it, you know, when it's in that, in that marriage equation. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. People don't realize one in four divorces, um, involve the use of pornography, mm. um, as, as a, a, a attributing factor to why that couple divorced. So one in four marriages are divorcing because of pornography. Um, I think probably the saddest thing that happens when I give talks is when uh, married men come up to me and they, and they share their struggle and they got like kids. And, you know, this one, one particular guy, <clears throat> he, he says, yeah, like, I can't stop watching. Um, I, my, me and my wife, we, she knows about it. She, we don't sleep in the same room. Mm. Uh, you know, I pull over on the side of the road and, and watch it until my, my phone dies out and he's just trapped. And yeah, man, like I, you know, I, I have so much mercy for these guys. I mean, sure. Our, so I live in college park and, um, the mayor of, of our city, uh, just got arrested for, um, um, possession of child pornography. Wow. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that guy lives like two blocks down from my house. And so. Um, it's, it's super prevalent and, um, yeah, I, you know, having, you know, it, you know, it being early in my marriage uh, as well. Um, I didn't, I'm, I'm much younger than you Deacon (laughs) and, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I remember, um, Mimi telling me, my, my wife, she's like, you know, you talk to guys all the time, how it could ruin marriages. Like this could ruin our marriage. And I, and I, I just remember uh, hearing her say that and wow, like I, I just, I, there's this distinct image of a glass and I was taking a hammer and I was banging on the glass in my, like this virtual glass. And I didn't want to be the person to break the glass mm. of her, of our marriage. Mm. And I think um, then probably um, there's so many different ways why, why people get out, but I uh, probably one of the biggest common denominators is this, this, this concept of, of, is this person, am I like Matt O'Hara or am I blank your name? Am I willing to do whatever it takes for me personally? Like not whatever it takes for like a, a random person or, or the general person, but for me personally. And so for me personally, like I really wanted to believe, uh, for example, that my program was enough for me, like Fight Club, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't. Like I needed to go to counseling, and I needed to, um, and I, and in fact, going to counseling and some of the things that my counselor uh, brought to my attention, I, we actually put it back into uh, the book eventually. That the the, the new editions, and um, and we we believe it has some some lasting effect for for other for other men. So that was actually a huge gift to go to counseling and. And to to um, bring some of those things that that she had me go through into our our material, so um, yeah, I think that's yeah uh, too many. Um, you're right, uh, Deacon. Uh, too many marriages are are suffering uh, from it, and uh, I think what's the problem here is people are giving what's called in psychology a permission giving belief. Mm. We're giving ourselves permission to believe that this is okay. Yeah, because. Yeah, the if we don't, then that means then we're not okay. Like me, my me, Matt is not okay. But if I give myself permission that this action is okay, then everything is okay. And so it's all rooted in a lie that we're willing to believe to stay um, sane. And and it's just we have to be willing to just be be broken down, uh, and and uh, and so we can be built back up. Yeah, there is kind of this sort of mass hypnosis piece of it, which is not helped at all by the fact that. The popular culture does very little to um, yeah. to dissuade people from the kind of thought process you just described, right? It's it's not, you know, I don't know what's another some other example like using heroin or something where people was like, there, even people who you know have no necessarily values aligned perspective would be like, yeah, that's that's going to kill you. That's not okay, whatever. But with pornography, you have this very extensively varied perspectives on what pornography is, what it means, whether or not it's damaging, you know, it's like a whole just panorama of opinions of it. But 
but there's not that um, outright, um, you know, cultural stigma attached to it in its generic form. Now, you know, you mentioned your mayor in your town, you know, getting arrested for child pornography. I, st- I, I still think we have that one. God knows. Maybe someday we'll yeah, lose that God. too. Seriously. Thank God we have that yeah. one. But, yeah. but beyond that, like just the general thing, it's like, it's, it's a little bit of a punchline. It's a joke. It's in comedy movies. It's in, you know, podcasts and people joke about it. It's this very sort of jocular thing that, mm-hmm. that, you know, leads you to have that same thought process, which is like, yeah, there, there might not be anything wrong with it, with this. Right. But it is deeply, deeply wounding and damaging to, to the person at a super integral level. I mean, what you just described with needing more than just fight club and, having to go through therapy. I mean, I've described in my own life as kind of the the brain stain is what it is. Like as far as I've come, like there's still a little bit of that PTSD where images will flash in my mind out of nowhere in the mm-hmm. middle of the most random places. And mm-hmm. that is the that's the those are the echoes of that trauma because it is mm-hmm. traumatizing, right? Even if we don't yeah. realize we're just traumatizing ourselves when we're doing it. Right. Yeah, I was just uh, back at home. So I'm, I'm from Durham, North Carolina, and I was visiting my parents. <clears throat> um, I live in Maryland. I was visiting my parents, and just being back in my old bedroom just brought a bunch of those memories because it was it started there, yeah. uh, you know, age 11. And, um, yeah, just having, you know, I recommend to people who are trying to uh, be free you know, once you start, once you're going in the right direction, like sometimes you, you have to like change up even your own bedroom because yeah. like your brain is so smart to, uh, it just, it, it wants to tell you, oh, this is what you do when you're in this context. And like, so I've, I recommend the people to change the, the layout of their bedroom and when they go back home and things like that. Um, um, yeah, having like, and doing some experiences where you, you live through a memory and, and, and invite Jesus back into that memory and, and let him, let him love you and, and that shame. And so, um, yeah, just, I've done that for, uh, for numerous uh, memories and one memory at a time. And, and I think it's just uh, super important to, to give to, to our Lord and give to our lady. I, I, someone once told me that if sometimes if you want to give a, a shameful memory, you just don't want it in your head anymore. Yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe, uh, an image of a, of a woman, that uh, a naked a naked image of a woman that you just don't want in your head anymore. I've heard and and it, this has happened for me. You can actually give it to our lady to take it away, take away that like that image of her, and she'll take it. And I and I've done that. Um, and uh, praise be to God, I I don't have um memories of of certain uh, naked images anymore, which is just just a, a real gift. Well, like, and, and that, that's the yeah. like the most insidious part about it is the kind of disfiguration of things that are that are objectively beautiful, right? So there is an mm-hmm. and there's this weird confusion where like there is something objectively beautiful that you know you've seen inappropriately, you shouldn't have seen it, mm-hmm. but you did. Right. And so there's this internal thing between your natural normal uh, you know, response to something of beauty, but in a warped kind of way. And so it's, that that's what makes this so tricky a thing, right? It's, it's, yeah. it, it's like, it, it leaves an impact, like a lasting impact. And I think we sort of underestimate, you know. Yeah. That. I think we have to be clear here that like sex as, as God designed is actually a very good thing. Right. And, and it's a beautiful thing. And the, and the human body is a beautiful thing. Um, Female body is a very beautiful uh, thing, and but yeah, but but when it's perverted into what we see online, and I think what's scary about what we see online is that it's getting um, getting younger and it's getting more hardcore and violent. And I'm concerned about young people who are seeing that for the mm. first time. Um, if they're if they are experiencing uh, pleasure like orgasm associated with something that is. Uh, young and violent that they see online, uh, that's that's gonna be harder and harder to uh, recover from oh, yeah. uh, down the road. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's no bueno, mi amigo. <laughs> <laughs> what what other besides like um, the subject of pornography, which I'm sure is probably the lion's share of what men who are in Fight Club are fighting against, right? But mm-hmm. what other things have you found might be tangential to pornography or within the context of Fight Club? What are other things that maybe I'm I'm fighting? You, you see what I'm saying? 
Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Uh, I, so I recently just read this book, uh, Faith, Hope, and Love um, by Peeper. And in the book of Hope, he talks about this. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to get to your question, but it's, it's just so fascinating to me. He gets to this, this thing called evangatio mentis. Mm. It's, the, it's what's, what he calls the restlessness of the mind. Okay, so just try to follow me. And part of evangatio mentis is curiositas. And that's not curiosity. In fact, he defines curiositas as disordered pursuit of knowledge. Mm. Okay. And curiositas, according to the church, is sin. And sin, he defines as turning aside to nothingness. So if you think about it in our lives, in our daily lives, what in our lives uh, do we uh, turn us that, that we, when we go there, we turn aside to nothingness, there's a disordered pursuit of knowledge, and it leaves us with the restlessness of the mind. Mm. What do you think that is, uh, Deacon? Mm. Tell me. Uh, I, I would, I would, I'm, my, my hypothesis is social media mm. is the, the way that they've uh, just how TikTok and, and the, the over endless scroll that, that they've created a few years ago. Um, it just like keeps you into uh, this. It's a disordered pursuit of knowledge, yeah. right? It's, it's not an order pursuit of the true good and beautiful. It's a sort of pursuit of knowledge, like over and over again. Like, and knowledge they're used very broadly, right? I mean, a lot of it is just kind of right. maybe just, it's sort of like just time burning, you know? It's not even yeah. knowledge. Like I'm not even looking to become additionally skilled More educated. or educated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then is and if I've because I used to have an, an addiction to social media, um, and again, it's like this turning aside to nothingness, mm. where you just like you're you're just numb, and like an hour goes by, another hour goes by, um, and then it leaves me with this restlessness of the mind, and so um, yeah, I, I think social media, uh, and I know there's gonna be a bunch of people not who. <laughs> Are going to disagree with me, but I'm I'm pretty adamant about it. I I tell the guys, hey, either do do one of two things for me: one, quit your social media, or make your social media intentional. Meaning, like, do 15 minutes a day and be in and out and do what you need to do. Catch up with whoever you want to catch up, but don't go there to uh to rest. Don't go there for leisure. Uh, like, people read books or people. Uh, you know, took had a walks. conversation and, and <laughs> took walks. Had, uh, you know, uh, talk to real people. Um, it's not a place of rest. Mm. It, it leaves you with restlessness, and I think people will agree that that's the truth. It's very true. And, and the more hardcore they yeah. are, the more they're going to feel that restlessness, and they can identify with it. I hadn't heard it put that way, and I think it's actually a really good way to explain mm. it because we can identify with that sense of restlessness, that sense of unrest that comes after endless scrolling. It's like the desire to want to move on to sort of the next thing that quickly. And ultimately that might be at the heart of this broader issue, which, you know, the men mm -hmm. in fight club experience, which is, you know, pornography in a way either is the root of, or the fruit of one of the two, this kind of uh, disordered desire for, you know, continuing inputs and stimuli, right? It's like, it's just, it's sort of an outcropping of that, or it's the cause of it, right? But there's like related to that, there's a bunch of things, social media being one, but there could just be other things. I mean, there could be the whole transactional nature of relationships. Think about this, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm a hardcore porn person, maybe I'm much more uh, a hardcore social media person, but I bet you that my relationships with other people that, I'm, that I don't know are probably more prone to be transactional, right? Like there's, there's not mm -hmm. going to be that moment of presence between two people where I'm like looking into their eyes and going like, oh, you're a great idea of God and I value you, right? In, in that particular way, because we're being wired and we're living a life of transaction of either the endless scroll or the quick, you know, dopamine hit with a, you know, with a, with a naked image or whatever it may be. It's at its root. It is transactional. It's not relational, Right. And and that mm -hmm. can impact like gobs of stuff. Oh, absolutely. When well, related to porn, so something we talk about is the reaction sequence, like what leads us to the rabbit hole of mm. pornography. And anecdotally and in the literature, this is the most common reaction sequence. It's uh, time of day, late at night, location, alone in your room, 
emotion, you're bored or stressed. There it is. Bored, I find that, that that's a whole other conversation, yep. bored, boredom. Um, action that leads to surfing on social media. In fact, in our, um, in our battle plan, we put uh, cruising social media with intent to arouse as a no-go. Like we put that equivalent to pornography because what are we doing? What are we trying to like, if we're cruising social media with intent to arouse, we're essentially trying to lust after women. Yeah. If you're a man. You're towing the water. Um, That's what you're doing. You're towing the water. Exactly. And then most, and then oftentimes that leads to pornography. hundred percent. Um, yeah. And then add so to that was, I mean, that was my reaction sequence. And, uh, <laughs> and I totally identify with it. I, I, the, mm. the boredom piece though, double click on that. You said there's lots more there to me. I think, there's, you know, the way that we understand boredom, what we think it is, what we do with it or not do with it is a big subject. But why was that, why'd that stick out to you when you just said it now? Yeah, I just think it's hilarious. You know, when you're living again, I, I having lived that life um, and now living a full, fuller life, I believe, obviously I'm not perfect. I, I'm just not bored very often. I mean, there's so much to do and to live sure. and to, to live for. and um I just can't, I mean, again, I have to have to, I have to have mercy because I, I used to be this way, but why, are, why the heck are people bored? I mean, there's like, life is so full. Um, and so I, I think it's, I think the instant, instant gratification, uh, is, is a thing that the social media and a lot of our American, American consumerism has like just, uh, put on us. And then because it's not, if something's not instant, we are then bored. Um, look, I got six kids who are eight and under and my wife and I, we end the evening in silence reading books. Like, come on now. Like there's no boredom there or we're talking to each other or we're spending time with each other or there's, we're not on our phones. Like we made that conscious decision a few years ago. We didn't want our kids to be on our phones. Um, and so we didn't want our kids to be on screens. And so we decided to be very intentional with like how much screen time we have. Obviously, it's it's impossible. We have to work on screens, but leisure on screens we can control on. And and I think people need to understand. We all need to understand. All, mankind survived for millennia before the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just talking to one of my students um, a few months ago. He's like, "Oh, this is this point to his iPhone. He's like, this is my best friend. This is like, I don't go anywhere with this. This is my best. Like, what? Yeah, it's it's a, nuts." It's a piece of uh, electronic <laughs> electronic equipment. What are you talking about, your best friend? Um, so um, we we gotta have perspective, like uh, like just little things. Like I I turn off my phone. I literally turn it off. It's not in my room every day uh, when I go to bed. Uh, I, I like to go a whole uh, at least eighteen to twenty four hours without my phone on the weekends. And you know, people complain they can't reach me. I don't care. <laughs> you <laughs> They'll be all right. You have to have. Yeah, you gotta have boundaries. Yeah, you know what I mean. They'll be all right. Like, yeah. Well, the, yeah. the thing of it <laughs> is, right. I mean, you know, one hack that I've given before. I don't know if I've said it on the show, but I think um, mm. ties to what you just said is, and it's a helpful one, right? In my in my life, relative to mobile phones in general. Um, and yes, mm. to your point, iPhone came out in two thousand seven. So. The, there's all of history prior to that <laughs> to consider. And we did some pretty cool things as humans. But the thing that I uh, focus on is um, can the mobile screen be used for utility and not leisure? Like if you set the mm -hmm. bar, because a lot of people I've seen say, okay, take social media off your phone. Okay. But then they have a poker game or they have, um, mm -hmm. you know, a text or they have some other thing that becomes the avenue of kind of leisure or entertainment, right? And so if mm -hmm. you set the kind of line at, if it's a utility, like it's a tool, right? A map, it's an address book, it's a calculator. Utility mm -hmm. is one thing, leisure is a whole nother thing. And if you, kind of, mm -hmm. if you kind of cross that off, it can mean social media for one person, but it can mean, you know, again, texting app or a poker game for somebody else. But it's sort of That's like a drawing point. a line at leisure. That's one thing. In response to the kind of boredom piece, Everything you said is right. I completely agree with you. There's like life is ridiculously abundant for people to be, I'm bored. Okay. <laughs> having said that, maybe more for younger people, but when you are bored, that is prime creative territory. Like mm -hmm. when you don't have that, whatever it is, you know, cotton candy fix of whatever it is you want, that's a moment where like your creative gears start to turn. 
and there's creation mm-hmm. afoot, whatever that may be. Just because you've experienced that moment of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, well, you naturally, res- the response that naturally is, I should be doing something, thinking something, dreaming something. And a lot of great ideas have not been born because we're not comfortable with that moment of boredom. And again, those moments of boredom are increasingly less likely anyway because we've got the pacifier in our hand, you know, which is the mobile device. A few years ago, I wrote a blog post. um, Have you seen Gladiator? Yeah, of course. And um, Russell Crowe goes like, are you not entertained? And that's why I, I, I titled it that because this whole idea of like, we always need to be or entertained. I'm eating cereal. Let me, let me have my phone in front of me. I'm for sure. Um, I'm on the Metro. Let me have a phone in me. I'm, I'm in the bathroom. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of all these things, right? I'm, let me get my, let me check your email. But like, yeah, like this lie, like we, that we need to be constantly entertained. Like again, mankind survived for thousands of years <laughs> without being entertained at our, at our fingertips in our, in our pocket. Um, so the, yeah. the personalization <laughs> that you just mentioned where that person said, this is my best friend. That's also like, you know, danger, danger, right? I mean, the, the, yeah. the, we start personalizing, uh, inanimate things and depersonalizing human things, which is, you know, mm. broadly speaking, something you could point to in our society is actually happening. Um, but you know, that's like a big bright red line that, we got to be really careful about. And the more the technology advances as it's doing um, with artificial intelligence, with conversation now being the killer app. I actually heard that recently in a trade piece, that conversation is now the killer application, right? But by right. that, they mean talking to AI. So it's not searching. It's not what it's, conver- it's conversing. That is the, now, the new killer app. But with the technology kind of advancing and the ability to kind of replicate this these personalities, we got to be like doubly careful, right? It was hard enough already with just mm. the stupid iPhone and thinking it was a person or your best friend. But now when these things will talk back to you and know what you had for lunch and recommend, you know, whatever, it, it's going to be more difficult. Mm. And the only solution to that in my mind is grounding ourselves in our faith in Jesus, our faith in God, the, the sacramental life, living an integrated life. And that's only like an inoculation against it. It's like an armor against it. The bullets are still going to fly and they're going to keep mm. flying, but it, they're not going to take you down as much, right? I think at the end of the day, everyone needs to understand like, what is, what are they really looking for? You know, behind everything, everyone's really looking for love, mm. right? Like, and, and relationship. And like, for example, one of my <clears throat> battle triggers, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm uh, tempted to, Look at a, an ad on on ESPN, for example, or a woman uh, who's jogging, or et cetera, et cetera. Yep. the The line in my head is says it's not there, meaning like what I'm really looking for yeah. love, uh, companionship, relationship. It's not there, and I just I immediately one. think about I immediately think about my wife, you know, and and how it is there, mm. uh, and 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 our relationship daily uh, with each other, and. Or, or as you brought it up, like primarily Jesus Christ, uh, like ultimately love, uh, capital L love is God. And, you know, I think it was the, the, the author Jay Stringer, you know, if you're, if you're looking for one book to read, by the way, uh, on this topic, I, I, the most fascinating book I read, I read a bunch of books on this. It's called, um, Unwanted by Jay Stringer. Mm. Um, actually really quick on the premise is because it's super fascinating. Sure. He believes that, uh, the even the specificity of what someone watches can can give you clues on why you go there in the first place and what happened in probably in your childhood. Um, and I remember reading a quote unquote my chapter on on the specificity of of what I used to watch was like someone who is a lonely man who who then gets uh like a better word less lonely because a woman enters into the room like that. Like I realized I had that told a story wow. back to uh, when I was 11 and I had a full house of like all these different relatives living in my house. And then I think one year everyone left for for various reasons, like people moved out, I got a new home and my siblings went to college. And then all of a sudden it was I was by myself. I was uh, my siblings are seven years older than me. 
And then uh, my sister went to college and all of a sudden the house was by myself and then insert my gateway computer (laughs) in my bedroom. And there's my new companion, right? My new friend. And then just happenstancing on on one of those pop-up ads. And then the rest is history. Um, Anyway, I I mentioned Jay Stringer because uh, he says a line that's that's pretty uh, intriguing. He says, when a man is seeking porn, he's, oh, uh, a man is seeking, uh, porn, uh, a porn, a Jesus and porn after your heart, and only one of them gets it. <laughs> um, and and uh, yeah, it's just well, it's a fascinating premise. For, yeah. I mean, the idea that like you know what you end up searching out is is kind of a relates to the experience that was foundational or whatever was happening at that moment when you experience it or that is important to the individual, right? It's almost like a, like you're doing it to either counter program something that you want to not feel or to accentuate something you do want to feel, but it's very personal. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's Mm -hmm. why there's so many varieties of this stuff out there to kind of pick and choose from, but that super interesting premise. Oh yeah. It's very, very fascinating. He talks about himself. Uh, he, uh, I think his, he had a mother who, he had, who relied on him a lot. And, and so he was always, and then like a lot of female characters in his life, like always would rely on him. And so the porn that he would watch would be when he is powerful over the female. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's just kind of, and so, yeah, it just kind of does it opposite. Um. Uh, or yeah, or exactly. And so it's just, it was super fascinating read. It gets more into like why we go there in the first place. Yeah. Um, I have all my leaders read it as if they want to be a leader in fight club um, to understand their story, but also to help understand other people's stories. Cause it goes through a whole gamut of different scenarios. I think that's, in, it's important though, for us to kind of get at the heart of what's actually going on. Right. So there can yeah. be this um, temptation or idea that because either I've left this behind, I'm not using pornography anymore, therefore anything that touches on it, I don't want to interact with, right? But a book like this, which might fall into that category that I don't want to engage with it because I'm over that, still can provide so much light into what what led you to this to begin with and can help Mm. you contend with issues if they pop up again, right? So we have to be you know, to use the curiosity piece, maybe intellectually curious to some degree about how this works in our own person so we can understand how to combat those triggers. I mean, just the whole thing about the the understanding the scenario, like these are the scenarios that are like highly volatile, big triggers. That is like a revelation for a lot of people. You know what I mean? When they, mm-hmm. I'm sure when they hear that for the first time, it's like, do you know that you've got the ingredients here, the makings of a you know, uh, uh, you know, porn temptation and you don't even know it, but if you kind of mm-hmm. undo some of these triggers or at least recognize them when they're happening, then you can be more successful in combating and, 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 you know, that, that, uh, that inclination. Like he actually uses that word, uh, curiosity, like the good, the good use of it to, to be curious of what's going on mm-hmm. and, 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 and just be compassionate with yourself. Um, and having mercy on yourself. And I, I mean, I used to be so hard on myself. Um, and I, a lot of, a lot of lust management and a lot of like, oh, let me avoid this. But like, he actually says, no, like, pay attention to what is, especially the most common scenarios, like, what is going on and why do we go there? And quite honestly, even though I'm done with, or not, you know, quote unquote, done with porn, but like, even though I'm free from porn for so many years, that whole loneliness, a reaction sequence that still plays a part of my life. If uh, it just won't, it's not porn anymore. Maybe it's uh, Wendy's French fries or something, sure. or, yeah. or um, you name it. Binging on on ESPN, like, and I still have to pay attention. Oh, I feel lonely, and I want to react and and and, and numb myself from this. And so it's uh, that the sequence actually does not leave. It's just what we replace it with, um, and 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 being gentle with ourselves. Um, with, with, with our own story. How, how has all this learning and experience um, been kind of manifested in your parenting? Like in how you mm. speak to your children, maybe specifically, you know, your male children. Like how, how are you, how does that kind of can manifest itself? 
Well, I mean, um, so I mean, I, I got three girls, like like eight, six, and five, and then I mailed my oldest child is four. So <laughs> yeah, but I, I back to our boredom piece. No screens in the house. They are never bored, Deacon. I, there's there's always a, there's always imagination and 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 real play and i i just we believe in in child's uh children's real use of their imagination and play and um my my uh my daughter oldest daughter they're, they're they they play library <laughs> like that's so dorky like she has like the the basket and and she's got the books all lined up and you know i can i can I can uh, take out a bor- borrow a book. One time I was looking for my an actual book. I was like, "Where's this book?" And she's like, "Oh, it's on hold, Daddy." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's a, "Give me my book right now." <laughs> it's only dorky if she makes her siblings, uh, you know, cite the Dewey Decimal number for, for oh, the book. Dewey Decimal. <laughs> you know, no, I think yeah, that's yeah, awesome. They, they, they have no con- they have no context for that. So. Well, even think about that um, though the the result of of imagination and the importance in kind of role playing and again back to this kind of relational piece we're we're playing a role like i'm the librarian you're the customer like so much of that doesn't happen in a world that has this disordered you know search of knowledge because that's very personal it's individualistic i should say not personal it's individualistic whereas what you're describing is much more communal relational familial right it's like other people mm-hmm. are part of this and one of the things that a lot of the, you know, this quest, unhealthy quest for knowledge where pornography lives is that it keeps us isolated. It keeps us Mm -hmm. like boxed in. We don't even realize it, but we're like in the dark the whole time Mm -hmm. and in the dark to other people. And God, you know, likes to talk and act through others. And so if you're shut away Mm -hmm. from everybody, there's a lot less opportunity for that to come through. Yeah. I think the, I think the hopeful story doesn't talk about it uh, enough. Like, I've I've seen countless men who maybe were watching porn uh, uh, weekly or or daily, and then when they be, start to become free, all of a sudden they're looking women in the eye. They have confidence. Mm. They and then very and then months in of freedom, they start dating because they they have the confidence to to ask girls out and 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 then, and then they create these Christ centered relationships because these girls are just waiting for them. And then yeah, now we're seeing marriages who, who are just becoming who are starting on the right. Right path. You know, one thing I tell guys all the time, you know, if if I deal with twenty year olds, so I say like, you know, unless you're getting married to like someone twenty years younger than you, um, the the and you call the marriage, the the your spouse, your future wife is out there somewhere, right? She she is. She could be across the the country. She could be across the city. across the state. And I always say the time. Right now, it's it's six o'clock Eastern time. I say, what is she doing right now? Maybe she's having dinner with her family, and and just to go really imagine her and how she, you and how uh, I can be fighting for her. That person can be fighting for her like right now, and and I think and I tell them about their wedding night. On their wedding night, do you want to be watching porn the night before? Mm. Oh no, no, Matt, I want to, I want to do that. Okay, wanna, would you watch porn like the week before? He's like, no, no of course not. I'm like, well, what about the month before? Yeah, two months before, six months before. Like, when when is it okay? before your wedding night because you only get one wedding night right it's a and, great point you know praise be to god you know I, I remember my wedding night and it was it was very fruitful and, and wonderful and i i i get to have that memory for the rest of my life um and i want that for and i think god wants that for for all, for men, everybody. For all marriages mm. for everybody you know what i mean to for and then every time that we return to our sacrament um in the marital act like do like every time, like for example, you know, as Catholics, we believe I need to go to confession before I receive the Eucharist. Well, I if I if I'm in a state of sin before receiving my wife or she receives me, I need to go to confession. Like so, back to re- reenacting that wedding night with my wife. Is it okay to watch porn the day before? Is it okay to watch porn the week before? Like ten years later, right? I think that still is a reality that we need to strive for and live for. And and quite honestly, I mean, let's be real, like. I mean, I think you'll agree with this, uh, Deacon. Um, like, 
the marital uh, act and the life and the sex life and all that is so much better, right? Of course. Well, <laughs> like, that's exactly where like I was going to go. Pre, pre, pre-porn, <laughs> right? Like it's just way, way, For way, way sure. better. For uh, sure. Or post-healing yeah. from porn, you know. If, right, post-healing. Yeah, from, yeah the, the, exactly. The, um, I was exactly going to go there because I think the other thing we don't do enough, Matt, is we don't talk about the context of sexual pleasure within the mm-hmm. marital, the conjugal act in its proper place. So what I tell my my sons, my youngest is 18, so they're way ahead of yours. Um, mm-hmm. But my two bottom ones are, are boys, right? They're um, 18 and 20 right now. And going back to like, you know, puberty starts to hit, adolescence, all that kind of stuff. My conversations with them, when subjects like this came up, um, you know, sex and relationships and things like that, like I really wanted to, and this didn't happen every time, but I did want to impress upon them that like the best, most pleasurable sex you will ever have, that's what you're looking for, then Mm -hmm. develop the most amazing, you know, relationship with the wife that God's picked out for you. Like, Mm -hmm. and you will get what those things can never do, right? What pornography Mm -hmm. and those things can never do. And we don't talk about, I think, uh, enough about that. Either it's like, yes, sex, the, the, the marital act, the conjugal act, it's very beautiful. It is. It is all those things. And it is amazing. But God built in this act a, a sense of physical, emotional, spiritual, like, you know, mental satisfaction and pleasure that is there for a reason. It's a good. It is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. it comes to its sort of or can come to its sort of zenith within the properly ordered context of marriage. And it's like, isn't that something amazing to look forward to? You know what I mean? Like the fact that this is going to oh, be yeah. just amazing. Like that's what you want. We need to talk about that Oh, more. absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, that definitely needs to be talked about more. And having a self-mastery of your body that, that being free from porn can have. Like, you know, like most guys don't know that like postpartum after having a baby, a woman can't have sex. Like she physically can't have sex for six to eight mm-hmm. weeks. And so am I going to be the husband that has self-mastery? I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, mom. Let's, let's just watch a movie. Or I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go watch by myself in the other room. Like that's, that's not what you want to, the man you want to be. Yeah. Um, and so just having that self-mastery um, and, and, and the freedom that you get to give your wife um, when, when, when those times come. Uh, so that, that's definitely huge. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what's, um, as you think about like you, your day three of this journey of kind of doing this full time, when you think of that kind of roadmap or where you'd like this to go, like, you know, fast forward with me a few years and at least right now at this moment, what do you envision for, you know, the idea of fight club either, either as an idea or like, specifically about what you're going to try to do over the next, you know, period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm already in the midst of, of responding to campuses and parishes that want fight club. Um, so that's, that's one thing. So creating that leadership support, uh, for these and, and be able to hire so I can create to be a sustainable, um, uh, <clears throat> leadership for, for these guys. And number two is we're, we're working on a, a search engine for ourselves. Like imagine if uh, in the confessional, if, if priests had a card that says, you know, find your fight. And then you go to the website or fightclubcatholic.com and be able to find your local fight club. Um, and so that's something we're going to be working on. Um, I definitely, but I, you know, some of our groups are virtual, but I, I definitely believe in um, the, the, the power of the incarnate. Yeah. And so one of the things we're, we're going to work on that's we're going to launch next year is this an incarnate uh, summit for all the men who are, who are in fight club uh, called uh, fight camp. And, you know, I'm just responding to a vision I had, gosh, back in 2011, God put a vision on my heart, uh, seeing like hundreds of thousands of men um, outdoors adoring our Lord in the blessed sacrament. And, you know, last year, this past winter, I asked guys like, do you want me to do that? I'll do that for you, God. You know, I'll, I'll strive for that. And and so we're going to begin our, our first uh, attempt at that uh, next year, uh, having, you know, as many men outdoors over a weekend uh, in fellowship and, and, and inspiration and, and, and prayer. And then definitely at the summit of Saturday night, um, adoring our Lord outside in, in the Blessed Sacrament. So those are, um, and then obviously 
bunch of fight clubs are, are going to get launched all over the place. Um, it's, so we, we plan, we, right now we have 50 fight clubs. We want to double um, that amount in the next well, year Well, you have 50 fight clubs that you know about. <laughs> yeah. Be, oh, yeah, exactly. There might be another yeah. 20 <laughs> you haven't even come in contact with yet. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, just, just last week I was talking to a dad I never met. I've never met him. And he's like, my son's in fight club. I like, What? And he was, he was, he, he's over in Fredericksburg, Virginia and, and something very beautiful. They got a, they got a, I do know about that, that fight club, but he, uh, there's 30 uh, high school boys in this fight club, 30 plus. And uh, what they've done now is like now that the, the men's group that they have at that man is you, they started inviting their sons, uh, to their men's group, um, on Saturday mornings. Mm. And so it's just. What a beautiful, beautiful vision of of these fathers bringing their sons to um to their men's group on Saturday mornings, and then the sons do Fight Club, and then the the fathers do that man is you, and then we convene back together. And gosh, like yeah, the, the whole experience of uh, meeting people who are in Fight Club that I don't know of is definitely happening. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, on some level, that's a measure of success, right? I mean, that's you you want more of those experiences as as uh as the chronology goes forward. Matt, before we get to our final segment, which I know you are definitely waiting for with bated breath, <laughs> but um, tell people how they can like see what you're doing, like what they can follow you and whatever else. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go to our website, fightclubcatholic.com and check us out. Um, and you know, like this is a whole leap of faith. We're taking our six kids under eight um, and we're, we're doing this full time. And so if, if, something resonated with you and you want to be a part of it and you want to support this, uh, definitely contact me. My email is fight at fightclubcatholic.com. Contact me. I'd love to have a conversation, how you want to be a part of it, how you want to support it. Uh, because yeah, we, we, we need the, the resources and I, I believe God's going to provide and we're excited to just uh, really uh, light the darkness uh, with, with Jesus Christ in the world. Amen, brother. So we'll include that stuff in the show notes. And you know, you've got my prayers and support for everything that you're doing, particularly at this new chapter season uh, in your life. I think it's a really cool concept. It's an idea definitely needed for today. It's very much time and place centric. Um, and so I'm behind it. We'll pray for you by extension, the prayers of, uh, of the audience here of this show for the great fruitfulness of, uh, of all of your ministry and your efforts. Thanks, thanks, Deacon. All right, my friend. Are you ready then to play Wait, Wait What? what? <laughs> You're play Wait What? Though, yeah, absolutely. All these questions have a little bit of a similar thematic. I guess there's one that's sort of an outlier, but um, we'll start off very much on theme, Matt. Okay, question okay. number one. Now, we've talked about a little bit so far on the show that there is some attribution between your apostolate and the famous late 90s film Fight Club directed by David Fincher. Now, what a lot of people may not know, and this is question number one, is that Fincher got his directorial start with music videos in the late 80s. And in fact, his first, like when he hit Paydirt, right? When he hit, he hit Paydirt directing, this Catholic sounding artist's number one hit in 1989. Who is this Catholic sounding artist. I have no idea. Yes, you do. I'll <laughs> let you think about it. So go back late 80s, okay? This is somebody that most people know. I mean, I'm, I'm born in 1987, so like I'm not even like aware yet <laughs> of life. <laughs> my 18-year-old my was born in 2002 and he knows music from the 60s. But you, you, you've heard okay, of this sure. person, okay? And it, it's a, it's... If you hear the name, you automatically, if you're a Catholic, you think something Catholic, but it's not. Uh, like, are you talking about like Matt, Matt Maher as like a Catholic artist? Like this? Uh... <laughs> no, this is not a Catholic artist. Okay, yeah. Go for it. I'm... Madonna. Yeah. Oh, Catholic sounding. Got Catholic it. Catholic sounding. Got it, got it, right? got it. So it's Madonna, yeah. <laughs> the video, Express Yourself. That's when he hit pay dirt. And then he went on, apparently, um, uh, directing a bunch of other videos and then eventually getting Grammy Awards and getting into film. And in 1999, gave us Fight Club, the movie. So there you go. All right. Oh, question number two. This one's easier. We didn't talk about your Filipino background, but true <laughs> or false? You got a 50-50 uh, odds on this one, Matt. Okay. True or false? Filipinos have a deep devotion to patron saints. 
each city, town, and even barangays or barangays, I don't know, which are smaller administrative divisions in the Philippines, has its own patron saint, and their feast days are celebrated with great enthusiasm. True or false that every city I'm going town. Up true. And you would be correct. I'm going up true. You, you are correct. That's correct, yeah. You are correct. <laughs> that is actually very true. It'd be nice if uh, here, like every county had like their own patron saint and there was parades, but uh, we've got work to do in right. the U.S. Well, people don't realize that cities are named, are named after saints. That's true, right? too. Like, Especially in California. Yeah, San, San, yeah exactly. Right. In California, I, I um, always ask that. How many people in San Francisco know that they live in the city of San Francis of Assisi? Probably like right. 4%. Right. All right, very good. Exactly. You've redeemed yourself, my friend. The third <clears throat> question you're guaranteed, as always, to get correct because it's your own answer, and we're going to stick with the film theme. So, Matt, you're a film director for a day. What hmm. is the story you would like to tell? And who would star in the film? Gosh, the story you want to tell. Um, gosh, I don't know. I, I was talking the other day with a, a buddy of mine about like, there's not many uh, books or stories out there that says that tells you like, what does it mean to be a Catholic man? Mm. Um, and there's like one book out there, "Be a Man" by Larry, Father Larry Richard, but. Um, Anyway, I, I think like a coming of age story of what does it mean to be a man in, in today's world uh, would be pretty interesting. It's particularly a Catholic man, stay in my space. Um, what does it mean to be a good Catholic man? Um, and who would I star? Gosh. Um, oh, gosh. What's his name? Um, yeah. Maybe like Leonardo DiCaprio, only because I like uh, I his movies. I like um, Inception. Sure. I like. Um, Catch me if you can. Like I just, I think he's just a, he's a great a actor. actor. Um, he's a great so, actor. He might, you know what? Yeah. This might actually be what what brings him back. So if he started yeah, right, this, right. if yeah, he exactly. started this movie, very good. Yeah, exactly. Coming of age, <laughs> Catholic man story, starring DiCaprio. I, I think Matt. I think I'd go see it. I think I'd go see it. <laughs> right, right. So good job. Everyone watch Sound of Freedom. Apparently that's the movie to watch that nowadays. That is the movie to watch um, now. So. Yeah, we went through the, yeah. uh, what's, uh, we went through Nefarious and now it's Sound of Freedom. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward right. to seeing that. And apparently expectations continue to be very high from a box office standpoint. Um, so that's going to be, it's going to be nice, you know, because that's what makes, sadly, but it's okay in this case, that's what makes the secular world pay attention. And if we can get a lot of right. studio heads going, hey, we should make more things like this, that wouldn't be bad. So, um, right. yeah, awesome. Great to have you on the show, brother. Thank you so much for stopping by. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks a lot, Deacon. Appreciate it. God bless. If you listen to our voice, that means it's time to subscribe to the show, to share this episode, maybe with somebody who you think or know is struggling with some of the stuff that we talked about. Maybe there's an insight or two that can help them uh, overcome the struggles that we've been talking about and in other ways might be helpful to them or their families. We'll see you again next time on Living the Call. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.